Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Well, God bless you. We're so happy that you are here with us today. Is everybody feeling good? Excellent, excellent, very good, good. Well, today we're gonna continue with this message uh, called What's Next? We've walked through a number of different things. If you've missed any of uh, the messages, you can go onto our website, oakschurch.com. Click the podcast button and you can catch up on all of the different messages. But this specific series, we're walking through uh, after Easter, what's next? What was next for the disciples? What was next for those who were following Jesus after the resurrection? So we talked for a week about dealing with doubt and how the enemy wants to use doubt as something to cripple and destroy your life and steal your faith. We talked about failure last week, how we need to, each and every one of us, face our failures so that we can learn from them and overcome them and move forward into a great future. We can't fear failure and that keeps us from moving forward and stepping out in what God really wants us to do. Well, today I want to talk to you about something that was very much on the forefront of everything that was inside of the disciples' minds. It was the last words, one of the last lessons that Jesus gave his disciples before he left and went and died for all of our sins. And he began to talk about the teacher, the helper that was going to come, that he was going to send to them. And I'm going to read you some verses uh, that connect and tie into that. And my working title uh, with this is called Meet the Teacher. Meet the teacher. Do you remember being a kid uh, going back to school? I know we're about to get out of school for us that have uh, children. It's one of the uh, greatest times of the years for teachers. They are so excited to get rid of your children. And some of you are not excited to get your own children back, right? Uh, it's, it's a mixed, mixed emotions here today that we have. But uh, I remember specifically the season of going back to school, right? And, and, and for some of us, it was maybe you're getting a new pair of shoes shoes or some new outfits or, or whatever, a new backpack, and you're excited. You haven't seen some of your friends in a couple of months. And one of the big things that was on each and every one of our minds is, which teacher are we going to get? I know there's a few moms that have been very involved and very engaged in which teacher your kid gets and making sure. But back in the days, back in the 80s, we didn't have much of a say, and you didn't find out a lot of times till the first day of school, and you're going to figure out which class you're in, and are my buddies in this class, and, and who is this person that's going to to rule my life for the next nine months, right? The homeroom teacher in elementary school. And, you know, realistically, in our modern day era, 90% of primary educators, primary school teachers are women. 77% of all teachers are women. So there is very much a connection to this Mother's Day and mothering qualities that we have when we're talking about meeting the teachers. But I want you to think for a second about your favorite teacher. Don't think about the horrible teacher. Anybody have a horrible teacher? Oh my God, I had a teacher in seventh grade that made me sit in a trash can in front of everybody else. What, come on, what does that do to a seventh grade boy in the middle of going through puberty who already feels like he's all mixed up and now he's trash in front of everybody? I was scarred for life. But I don't wanna talk about Mrs. Wright House. I can't stand that woman. I wanna talk about... My favorite teacher, fifth grade year, my favorite teacher 
was Mrs. Roberts. And I had prayed all summer I would get Mrs. Roberts. It was Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Linwood Elementary School. And I was so excited because Mrs. Roberts was a Cherokee Indian. And the rumor was, the legend had it, that she would teach each and every one of her students how to do a real Indian rain dance and make it rain. And when I got Mrs. Roberts for fifth grade and my best buddy Tyler was in my class, I was so excited to have this teacher. She was the best, funnest, coolest teacher ever. She was probably in her 60s, uh, you know, a Cherokee lady, a lot of fun. But on this specific day, she took all of us outside. She had a big Cherokee headdress on. She taught us a dance. She taught us a song. It was a beautiful day, blue sky, gorgeous day. And we do the rain dance for about 30 minutes, go back inside. Every single one of us are looking out the window. Can't wait to see it rain. No rain. We're like, this lady stinks. The next day, downpour. I'm talking pouring rain. We're all like, we made it rain, right? We didn't realize that she just watched the news. You know, I mean, fifth graders don't watch the news. She watched the news and picked the rain dance day on a day before a three-day thunderstorm. But to us, we were probably eighth graders by the time we figured out that she actually made it rain. But teachers have such a powerful impact in our lives. And I do want to take a moment to honor any educators uh, that are here. Can, can any educators, can you wave at us real quick? We got so many of you. Thank you, God bless you guys for taking care uh, of these wonderful uh, children. Uh, our children that can be both angels and demons depending on the day. Uh, and so thank you for that. We wanna honor that. And, and you know, realistically, every hand that went up was a female. And there really is this mothering quality that's connected into teachers. And all of us have uh, different experiences with moms, you know, that we have in our lives, right? There's the super mom. You guys know the super mom? The super mom that can fix anything, bake anything, do anything, mend anything. All, and her magic weapon is mom spit, right? Remember mom spit? Dad spit is never allowed. Mom spit is tolerated, right? Dad spit smells like acid coffee. Mom spit is at least you can work with it, but she can fix your hair with mom spit. She can clean your face. There's all kinds of stuff. The super mom is one of those categories that we've all had. Then there's helicopter mom. Don't raise your hand if you had helicopter mom, right? The hovering mom who doesn't miss a single moment, right? She's a part of everything that happens in your life from your, you know, all the way going through elementary school to your prom invitations to whatever. Wonderful helicopter mom's amazing. She's incredible. She's always there and she's valuable. We're grateful for helicopter mom. And then there's Tiger Mom. Tiger Mom, some of you guys know what about Tiger. Tiger Mom is the achiever mom, and she's going to make sure that you don't suck in life. She's going to make sure that, sorry, that was a little rough. She's going to make sure that you succeed in everything you do. Even if she has to do your assignment for you, you're going to succeed. Your science fair project, Tiger Mom did that. She's making sure that you handle business. And then there's, there's working mom. Working moms, are, working moms need to be honored, right? Because working moms, they're doing all the same stuff that super mom is and, and helicopter and tiger and whatever. They just don't have the amount of time. And so they've got to cram everything into these different components of life. 
But one thing that every mom has in common is every single mom, there's no such thing as a mom that doesn't have some semblance of teacher inside of her. It's part of the makeup of who mom is, is that she gains uh, pleasure from teaching her children how to do things and how to understand things and, and how to be things in life. And in this passage that I want to read to you uh, today, found in, in the book of John, uh, Jesus is introducing us to a different form or a different part of who God is in the book of John. When he begins to talk about the teacher and the helper, the comforter, the counselor that was to come. See, for, for, for most of mankind, God has been completely misunderstood. Uh, God has been seen as this all-powerful, omniscient, all-present he is, but this cosmic judge who's has all of these rules that none of us can live up to, and he's just waiting for you to completely blow it so he can smite you. That's how some people view God. That's how God had been viewed for many, many years. There, there was this prophecy, this promise of a Messiah that would come. And then when the Messiah would come, he would be called and he would introduce us to wonderful God, counselor God, the mighty God, a God that would be an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. That's the Messiah's introduction. All of those different things were placed inside of a promise of a coming king that would introduce us to all of these different components to who God really is. And when Jesus came on the scene, and when we look at his teachings, the number one thing that Jesus did for three years is introduce us to God, but he called him Father. And Father is such a valuable thing inside of each and every one of our lives. It's a major deficit inside of our culture in different places is they lack of fathers. And we honor all of our fathers that are here today, but we're not going to clap for you because it's not your day. You got four more weeks. All right, we'll clap for you then. You got to come back though, right? Mother's Day, everyone comes to church. Mom says, you know what I want for Mother's Day? Everyone come to church with me. You know what dad says on Father's Day? You know what I want for dad's Father's Day? I want to stay home and cook breakfast for me. And we just, well, we'll, maybe we'll watch church online or better yet, we'll watch it on Wednesday when they put it on the podcast. Right? I mean, I mean, I really want to play golf for Father's Day. That's what I want to do. Should have put golf, Father's Day on a Saturday. You can do that, right? So, but we love Mother's Day and we're glad that you are all here today. And all of you dads, we hope that you uh, get dragged back on Father's Day too by your godly wife that's with you, right? And we'll have some kind of a special. I do want to thank all of our ladies that came and worked together to create that little scrub, that little sugar scrub or whatever. That's handmade. A bunch of ladies in the church came together. Jennifer had a group of ladies come together and made that just for you. So uh, God bless you guys. I hope that you enjoy that. I don't know what you do with it. It's, apparently it's edible, but, you know, sugar scrub or something. Um, enjoy. But Jesus introduced us to Father for three years. But the last thing Jesus did before he left is he gave his disciples a commandment. He said, do not leave until the Holy Spirit comes to you. And he began to describe the Holy Spirit. See, something that's very important for each and every one of us to understand is that even though Jesus called God Father, God is not a man. Did you know that? God is not a man. God's not human. He's not a man. 
He's not a white man. He's not a black man. He's not a Republican man. He's not a Democrat man. He's not even an American man. He's not a man at all. God is God. And he has these components and these traits that are masculine that Jesus described as father. But God also has all of the feminine in him as well. See, when the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 that man kind was made in God's image. It says in his image, he created them. Male and female were created in God's image. Women are just as much the image of God as men are. We have both sides of God. And what's interesting and what we each need to understand is that just as God has both masculine and feminine, most men and women have both masculine and feminine traits. And just because someone has more feminine traits doesn't mean, or more masculine traits if they're female, doesn't mean their sexuality is in question. See, there's a massive agenda in this world today that wants to take a man who has feminine qualities from the time he's a child and label him all through his life that he's something else just because he has feminine qualities. He's more artistic. He's more creative. He's less rough and tumble. A girl that's more athletic. The world wants to label them all the way through. They don't like bows and frilly stuff and doesn't have anything to do. Come on, listen. Both, both masculine and feminine exist inside of God. And both masculine and feminine exist inside of you. Right? There are certain things about me with Jennifer and I, our relationship, I'm the emotional one sometimes, most of the time, right? Now, I'm also the logical one, so I don't know how that works, but no, I'm just joking. But we have different traits. There are traits that she has that are masculine traits, traits that I have that are feminine traits, has nothing to do with someone's sexuality, but there's an evil agenda in this world that wants to take something that God created, the balance of masculine and feminine that exists inside of each and every one of us, and label us and steal away our true identity of who we truly are, and that insidious attack and, 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 and agenda is so powerful that people that fall into that trap, they elevate their sexual identity above every other part of their life. And the greatest identity they have is their sexuality. And it's a massive trap. It's a massive deception from the enemy. And it's important that you understand that both the masculine and the feminine exist inside of God. It's the image of God. And every one of us is different. We have different personality traits, different styles, different things that make us unique and individual. We need to celebrate who that is. But our identity is simply found in who God is. Amen? Amen. So God is not a man. God has these incredible, powerful traits that are inside of him. And Jesus came to describe to us a new expression of who God is. After three years of father, he begins to introduce us to this new, this new uh, nature of God that we see. So God has a fatherly nature. We see Jesus demonstrating a brotherly nature. But watch this, John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray 
the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Very important you see that. He dwells with you, the Holy Spirit, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, interestingly enough, I'm speaking about the motherly nature or God's, what I'm going to call today, God's mother nature inside of the Holy Spirit. But the pronouns used here in the New Testament are translated as male pronouns, but the reality is, is when you actually look at pronouns in the Greek, the pronouns in the Greek are neither male nor female. They're just basic pronouns, and whoever the subject you're talking about, it morphs into that, but it's the exact same word, so it morphs to fit the sentences in. So male translators that translated this actually translated it as he, because they're looking at God from a male perspective, but there is both the masculine and feminine part of God, and the traits that you see when describing the Holy Spirit are very feminine traits. But when the helper, again called the helper, a nurturer, a comforter, this word here is the word parakletos in the Greek. It's a word that literally means helper. It means comforter. It means a counselor. It means someone that comes alongside. It means an intercessor. It means an advocate, someone that comes to your defense. Listen, nobody comes to someone's defense like their mama, right? Don't make mama mad. No one comes to defense like a mama. So there's beautiful traits that we see. Jesus says the helper is going to come in John 15, 26. I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He'll testify of me, and you'll bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. One more verse on this. John 16, verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the teacher, the guide, the advocate will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, he'll convict the world of sin. And of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. However, when he, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but will Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things that come. He'll glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. When I'm describing this that I call God's mother nature to you, I'm talking about a next level of relationship with God, the creator of the universe, who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? You see a family unit. It's another important reason to see this as these feminine qualities that connect into the nature of God and the nature of the Holy Spirit expressed to us is because we see a picture of a family, Father, Son, and Spirit. There's a picture of family. And it says in scripture that when uh, we as human beings join together with our spouse, the man and the woman coming together, it's a picture of Jesus who is called the groom and his church, which is called the bride. And there's a picture of the Godhead. There's the picture of the perfect purpose and the perfect will of God that's connected into both the masculine and the feminine coming into a place of unity. The family unit is so important. We as the church have to stand for the family unit. 
We have to stand. That's why traditional marriage is so important. It's not being judgmental or hateful against anybody else. It's about standing for the picture of what God has created and declared because the picture of a man and a woman standing together in unity, the masculine and the feminine connected together in unity is a picture of who God is. It's a picture of his government. It's a picture of his authority. And it's the number one uh, place that God releases his authority inside of a place of unity on the earth. It's powerful. This helper that has been given to us is such a beautiful part of God's nature. And it's so important that each and every one of us understand because if we don't come into the relationship with the helper, if we don't open ourselves up for who God is in his Holy Spirit form that wants to come and has been with us but wants to live inside of us, it cheats us from ever fully knowing and understanding the fullness of who God is. And what happens is it leaves things in our lives out of touch and out of access because we're only going to God in one of the ways he reveals himself to us. See, if you only go to God as a father and you relate to him only as a father, and it's important to relate to him as a father, it's a powerful thing. But if you only relate to him in that way, there are things that you don't necessarily access because fathers typically are the deliverers of what we would call tough love from time to time. And every kid needs some tough love from time to time. I remember that my 16th birthday, I was so excited because I was just certain I was going to have a car bought for me. My parents had been told me for years I was going to buy my own car. I didn't believe them till my 16th birthday. There's no car out there. What do you think? We're lying to you? You can buy your own car. I'll help you negotiate a deal. You got to pay for it. And my dad felt like it was important for me to have a, to have a hand and the responsibility of buying my first car, that 1973 Volkswagen Bug. It was cream, and to me, it was, an, it was a Bronco, man. It was off-road vehicle, four by four. I drove that thing all over the place. I took it rabbit hunting out in the woods. That thing was crazy, right? But, I, but again, it was this, this, this responsibility that my dad, these, these tough love things that my dad would challenge me, but the balance of having my loving, nurturing mom there created an, an understanding and built things inside of me. And in the same way as both of us need in our natural life, the, the, the connectivity to father and mother to, to bring us into the richest form that we possibly can be. And that same way, when we relate to God, we need to be able to relate to him on that spirit side as well. Because if not, what's going to happen is we're going to go through times in our lives where there are things that we're not receiving from God because we haven't learned how to access him in the manner that he delivers them to us. And so we don't have faith to receive from him these certain things. And we walk through life with a certain level of lack. And it's not because God hasn't provided it. It's because we don't know how to apprehend it because we relate to God in the wrong way. See, there are places in my life and in, in, in every single message for me every single week and, and just so you know like our worship team every week it feels like a battle to our worship team because they're they're warring in the spirit for you to create an atmosphere for you it feels like a battle for them same thing with Jennifer and I it feels like a battle um, oftentimes going through the different weeks coming through and every right now for me every single week I have a message that the Lord has given me to bring you and every single week I have to win a battle for that specific message. 
It's just a weird thing going on right now, but the Lord is teaching me how to access something from him so that I can teach you how to access it as well. And what the Lord showed me this week, you can clap for him. He's good. What the Lord showed me this week is that I had a certain level of lack in my life where I wasn't trusting him for certain things. And I, and, and I simply, let me put it to you like this, I simply wasn't going to him first. So chaos would happen, and I'd stress out, and I'd get mad. Jennifer and I are building a house right now, and it's a wonderful, beautiful thing, and it's everything that everyone warned us it would be. It's the best time of your life, and it's the absolute worst time of your life, and it's exciting, and it's horrible, and it's going to be, it's not, this is what they said. It'll be the hardest thing you've ever done. It won't come in under budget. It won't be done on time. I'm like, get out of here. If you can stay married, it'll be a miracle. That's what they said. I almost got rid of her this last week. I promise. I'm just kidding. It was Mother's Day. I kept her around. No, she almost got rid of me. It's chaos, guys. It's nuts. And it can be overwhelming. And the reality is, is that, you know, I had a buddy call me. My buddy Ken called me. He's, how you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm doing bad. Miguel called me. I'm doing bad. I'm, man, Miguel called me. He's like, man, Pastor Joel, can I pray for you? You don't sound good. I said, I'm not good, man. I'm about to throw something out the window today. It's a bad day today. But the reality, what the Lord showed me is that I was going to people first before I went to him. And when I went to him instead, Saturday morning, I finally went to him been dealing with this stuff, complaining to people, talking to people. Hey, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging God. I'm, I'm spending time with God. But with what's going on that I'm really battling in in my life right then, I was dealing with it all up here and all out here, and I wasn't going to God right here. And once I went to him, all of a sudden, God began to show me an area of lack that I was dealing with my own faith that I needed to tune into him because only he can fulfill that. Only he can, can give that. See, there's, there's something only a mother can give to their children that a father can't give. I don't know the first thing about being a mom. Thank God for Jennifer in, my, in our daughter's lives. For cry, I mean, for crying out loud, you know, I, I couldn't get my daughter to a volleyball game on time yesterday because I was trying to do a ponytail in the car and I broke two hair ties uh, back to back and now we're late to the volleyball game and I finally found a rubber band, broke that one too, trying to put a ponytail in, had to tie it together with my teeth and, and then figure out how to do it. Come on, it's crazy. I don't know how to be a mom. Moms just whip stuff out, make stuff happen. Dad struggle. Kid comes in all crooked, you know, late and whatever. There are things that we access through the Holy Spirit that if we don't understand and don't have a revelation of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives and what God wants to bring to us in our lives, we'll walk through seasons of lack and it's not God's fault. It's because we don't have the revelation of how to receive it. And my prayer for you today is that you connect into God in a brand new way. Because part of the demonstration or part of the explanation, one of the terms or names for God is the word El Shaddai. And in one of the translations of that is the all-sufficient one. He's the all-sufficient one. It ties all of his natures together. It connects in the motherly nature of God that he's a nourisher. He's a caretaker. He's a comforter. He's a love giver. He's the one that kisses your boo-boos away. He, he, he's... 
He has everything you need. He's all sufficient. But the reality is some of us haven't been walking in God's sufficiency. See, no one has more tendency to operate out of a place of lack than a mom does. Because a mom gives first. A mom always cares first. A mom always sacrifices first. The mom's always the last one to eat. Last one to take care of herself. Dads eat first because <laughs> they got to be strong to deal with whatever they got to deal with. It's just a different mindset, right? I don't ever eat last. I'm like, look, this is going to be tough. I better get some food in me right now. Got to have the brain power to make it through this. But any of us, we can come to a place in our lives where we're running on empty and we're not living in God's, the fullness of his sufficiency. See, there's a verse in Colossians 2, 9. It says that the fullness of God, the fullness of the Godhead, every ounce of who God is dwelt inside of Jesus in his bodily form. When we saw Jesus in scripture, Jesus wasn't showing us who he was. Jesus said, I'm showing you who the Father is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus said, I don't say anything unless the Father tells me. Everything Jesus did, he did because he was led by this nature, this mothering nature of the Holy Spirit that came into his life. When he was baptized in water and his Father spoke over him and affirmed him, the mother spirit of God came and indwelt him in his bodily form. And he had the fullness, every ounce of who God is was inside of Jesus. Now here's the great news about that verse, Colossians 2.9. It says that the fullness of all of, in the entire state of fullness of God was inside of Jesus in his bodily form. And watch, and then it says, and you are made full in him. You're made full in him. The translations on the screen probably says you're made complete in him. But it's actually the exact same word in a different form than the word that's translated as the fullness of God, the next word is the same word in a different form in a futuristic tense of the verb to be made full. You can be made full in God. You don't have to lack anything. No lack in any area of your life. No emotional lack, no physical lack, nothing in your life. No economic lack. Everything you need, God has access for you by his spirit. And what we have to do is simply this. We've got to learn to go to God first. We got to go to God first. Our first priority when we hit a crisis in our lives, it's so easy and I apologize to my friends for going to them out of a place of lack. And my friends would say, Joel, that's what friends are for. Yeah, I know. But I would rather come to you as a friend that's full. And we can both give to each other. And there's going to be times that just nature of life, God, it just happens. That you find yourself in a place of lack. But we can't stay there. And the reality is some of us have lived in a place of lack for years. Thinking that some person would fulfill and no person can fulfill it because it can only be fulfilled by coming to know the fullness of God and who he truly is and going to him first 
accessing through the Holy Spirit everything that God is. I'm going to give you a couple very practical things that you can do that are a part of going to God first. The number one thing I want to give you this is practice processing through daily confession. Practice processing through daily confession, confessing things in your life, confessing. Uh, this is why I journal. I have journals. I, I was able this last week to go through um, all of my journals from 2011, 12, 13, 14, all the way up and put them in order and look. I can look at my journey with God. The journey, it, it represents your, your journal represents your journey. Those words are connected. But I have all these places where I'm confessing what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through. I'm accessing that mother nature of God where I can go and I can be nurtured and I can be consoled and I can be comforted and I can be counseled by the spirit of truth that the Holy Spirit represents. But it's these daily moments or, or weekly moments where I'm confessing what I'm really dealing with. Some people keep their feelings bottled up. They don't let anybody know what they're really dealing with, what they're really going through. And you can be dying on the inside, but you sure do look strong on the outside. And God doesn't intend you to live like that. You're going to live in a place of lack. You're going to live in insufficiency. You're going to be bouncing checks emotionally in your life. Because you haven't learned to go to God and confess what you're really going through. The second thing is practice praying as a priority. When stuff goes wrong, when stuff hits the fan in your life, when everything goes into chaos, the first thing you should do is pray. The very first thing you should do is, okay, Father, this stinks, but it didn't surprise you. God, I need you to come through in this situation. I know that you have an answer. I know that you are source. God, I'm not going to allow this to ruin my life. I'm not going to allow this. We got to make prayer a priority all too often. And I can be just as guilty. I get on the phone first and my first call doesn't go to my father in heaven. My first call goes to somebody else who may give me good wisdom, but they can't give me the fullness of God. They can't give me the all sufficiency of God. Third thing is practice accessing the peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit through meditation. The Bible talks to us in one passage of the New Testament. It talks to us about thinking about things that are pure. Think about things that are noble. Think about things that are good. Think about things that are right. Come on, it's so hard to do that in the world we live in, and we're bombarded with all the wrong. Everything in the news is wrong. Everything about the present is wrong. Everything about what you see is wrong. Everything's wrong, wrong, wrong. And God says, look, stop, stop, stop focusing on all of that. You're killing yourself. Focus on what is pure, what is noble, what is true, what is perfect, what is whole, what is right. We've got to learn how to meditate on the goodness of God and the good things in life because it creates in us a sense of fullness. Fifth or fourth, practice sourcing wisdom from God's Word on a daily basis. Every day going to the Word of God and getting wisdom. God's wisdom is better than your wisdom. It's better than your friend's wisdom. It's better than your teacher's wisdom. Better than your boss's wisdom. Source your wisdom from God the Father, from His Word, and learn how to translate it into your everyday life. And lastly, practice declaring 
his purpose over your life, over your family, over your future, over your, over your destiny, over your finances. Declare his word, his promises. These are five simple things that you can do to access the fullness of God in your life on a daily basis through just some simple disciplines. But what I want to do right now before we close, and I turn it over to Brandon and, uh, and whatever, whatever happens next happens next, is I want to give you the opportunity to pray to meet this person that Jesus called the teacher, the helper. Maybe you've never had anyone lead you in a prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Ask that, that motherly nature part of God to come into your life and fill your life. If, if, if you need that access, if you need to come into a place where you're accessing the fullness of God and not operating out of a place of lack, just pray this prayer with me all across the room. We'll pray it together for you. Say this. Say, Father, I need you in my life. I haven't been accessing all of you, and I need the rest. Jesus said that if I asked for the Holy Spirit, he would give him to me. So I ask right now, Holy Spirit of God, come into my life. Be my teacher. Be my comfort. Be my source. Be my wisdom. Be my help. Be my defender. Come into my life. I receive you right now. I want to access all that you have, Father. And I receive the Spirit in my life. In Jesus' name. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.